Good evening. Good evening. Yay. <laughs> All right. Tonight, I'm very excited to introduce our preacher. Um, he is the worship pastor at New Philadelphia Church, which is the church that covers Emmaus. He is a godly man. Chincharo. <laughs> I can't say anything else. That will say it all. And when he preaches, you guys will realize that he is, yes, get ready. Get ready to receive the word and let it pierce your hearts. It will pierce your hearts tonight, all right? So um, I want us to give a warm applause. Welcome to Pastor John Newfeld. Amen. It's very good to be here. I always love coming to Emmaus. I come to at least one of the campuses once uh, a semester. I was here last, I think about a year ago at Yonsei. And I love to see it grow. I think it's larger than it was last year. Actually, I know it was. It is. And uh, this, um, this ministry has come a long way. I mean, a few years ago, it was only, you know, maybe a few rows filled. And God's doing an amazing work on this campus at Iwa. How, how many campuses are represented here? Just Yonsei and Iwa? Who, who else is here? What are the campuses? Call them out. Yonsei and Iwa and Sumyang. Oh, that's right. You're there. Danby, okay. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, uh, I am, as Tina said, the worship pastor, the executive director of worship for New Philadelphia Church. It's my delight to work with wonderful people like David Ahn, where is he over there and his team, all these great musicians and people like David O who drums at our Hillside campus. And I also get to be the leadership pastor for Hillside, which means that if you are in new recruits training these days, I'm reading your homework. <laughs> so get it done. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to actually hearing from you and reading your assignments and that sort of thing. And I'm also the director of a ministry called K1, Kingdom First Prayer Tabernacle. How many of you have been to K1 before? Okay, come on. Yeah, if actually Tuesday night is one of the big nights for K1, so obviously you can't come on Tuesdays. But if you can ever come on Thursday nights from 8 to 10 or Wednesday mornings, don't skip class. But, you know, if you can come on Wednesday mornings from 9.30 to 11.30, we'd love to have you. It's just a place of uh, enjoying the presence of the Lord, first ministering to the Lord. Do you know you can minister to the Lord? God ministers to us, but we can minister to the heart of the Lord. We can bring pleasure and delight to the heart of the Lord. We can put a smile on God's face. Did you know that? Like you can make God really happy. You know, you do make God really happy. This isn't part of my message, but Psalm, Psalm 139, this blows me away. Every time I think about it, this, this statement in Psalm 139 where it says, God's thoughts toward us are greater than the number of sand, greater than the number of, of sand, grains of sand, I should say, in, in the world is, is the understanding given. That God thinks about you, the number of thoughts he has toward you is greater than the number of grains of sand you could find in the whole world. Can, like, can anyone come up with a number? Like, you, you could never come up with a number of grains of sand, but God's thinking about you all the time because he loves you, because he's totally into you, and you make him very happy. I just wanted to get that out there right away. That was all about K1. Come out sometime if you're able to. We love it. We love ministering to the Lord because it changes us. It transforms us. And um, yeah, we, we love that. 
a lot. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about this concept of the fullness. Because God's not calling us to, you know, this or that, to say you're at a buffet and you can only choose to eat, you know, five different items from the buffet. God wants, in the buffet of God, the buffet of the kingdom of God, you get everything and you don't get full. Because God wants you to have everything. He wants you to have the fullness. There's a story I heard recently. Uh, it's about a man who was homeless. And I, I'll preface this by saying, I'm not sure actually if this is a real story or not, uh, whether or not it's real, it doesn't really make that much difference, but follow along with me. There's a man who's homeless and he being homeless lived under a bridge in a big city in a cardboard box. And he begged for money to survive. So day by day, he was under a bridge in a cardboard box and he'd come out and he'd beg for money for people who were passing by. And that went on day by day through the summer, through the fall, through the winter, back to the spring, to the summer. He continued to get by by receiving money from different people. And the people in the neighborhood were generous. They would give him, you know, at least enough to get by, or they'd give him a sandwich, or they'd give him some food or some drink when it was hot, when it was hot outside. And one day, the people in the neighborhood noticed that this man wasn't around anymore. They thought maybe he traveled to some other side of the city to beg there, to try his luck there for money. And uh, they just kind of figured that he had gone on to different things or different areas of the city. And that went on for a while until someone came across, in the middle of winter, someone came across the man's body. He was dead. Just, uh, and he'd been there for a while. Just a uh, cold corpse of a man. He was laying under the, the bridge, not having had food for weeks, and frozen to death as well. And when the person who found the man took him, and called the ambulance, and they, they brought him in, what they found in the man's hand was a key gripped firmly in his hand. And when they took the key and, and analyzed it, they found it was a key for a safety deposit box in a bank. And they checked with the man's name, and it turned out that the safety deposit box was indeed for that man. That key belonged to him. They opened the safety deposit box, and inside the box, they found stacks of crisp $100 bills and a diamond ring of great value and the deed to a mansion that had been uninhabited for decades. And they were astonished. Why would a man do such a thing? He lived as a beggar on the streets under a bridge living in a cardboard box. But, you know, so many people, even in the church, even those who belong to Christ, live their lives something like this man with access to great wealth that they never realized or they'd forgotten that they had or that they never bothered to access. And they live 
as poor people out on the streets. Do you know that when you belong to Christ, you have access to the riches and the wealth of heaven? That the storehouses of heaven really belong to you. You know, in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, it ends with the father telling the older son, you know, all I have is yours. And that's really God's voice to us saying, everything that God has, everything that the father has belongs to us. You might not see the full physical manifestation of it. I know you won't in this life. But as sons of the living God, we have an eternal and glorious inheritance. And God's desire is for us to live in the fullness. When Jesus says in John 10, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. That's us. When Jesus says, He's come to give us life. That's, that's the real thing. That's, that's life that, that's full of meaning, full of value, full of purpose. He's come to give us the real thing, the fullness of life. You know, life in heaven is pretty amazing. I haven't been there myself, but I read about it in the Bible. And Jesus says later in John 17, he says, that eternal life is to know God. And he's entered us into that place even now. If you belong to Christ, you have eternal life right now. Jesus came that we would have life and life to the full. He wants us to be living in the fullness. From what I've been hearing about what's been going on in this ministry over the last while. You had a revival night a few weeks ago. You've got a retreat coming up. Has that, the name's been released, right? Hashtag's been released. Fuego, right? Light it up. You know what that retreat's about? At At least in part. It's about the fullness of what God wants to give you. It's about releasing to you everything that's in God's heart for you. And what I feel the Lord saying to me as I, as I came here, as I was preparing this message, is that there's a hunger and thirst rising up in this place among students at this ministry and students on this campus for the fullness of God, and the other campuses as well. There's a, a, a stirring up. It might be small, but the stirring up, I know I was made for more. And that, that was an awesome... Well, where's Jensen? Jensen and his team, you know, and the student leaders. The video they put together with the soju bottles, you guys all see that? We believe we were made for more. There's actually more. We've tasted and seen that God is good. We've tasted something about God. And that causes us to want to press into the more of God. Because we know that we've just gotten the taste so far. God's calling us into the fullness And what I want to do tonight is not get really deep into one particular passage of scripture. What I feel God wants me to do tonight is to share some of my story. Would that be okay? Do you guys like stories? Okay. Yeah, this is not how I typically preach, but I feel like for tonight, for this group, God wants me to share something about my background, something about my past, and, and release that to you. And I believe that'll be an encouragement to you specifically for, well, for all of you to whatever degree, but I feel there are specific people in this room that it's really going to minister to in a special way. Okay. 
So to get into my story, I am a Mennonite. Does that mean anything to anyone? I don't know. Uh, who here has heard of Mennonites before? Okay. There are a number of people who have heard of Mennonites. Uh, there are actually different kinds of Mennonites. They don't all look the same. They don't, don't all dress the same. As you see me dressed here, you notice that I don't dress like a traditional Mennonite. Uh, some people get them confused with the Amish. They aren't Amish. There may be some similarities. They're actually, they're actually kind of distant cousins theologically. Uh, but, uh, but they are different. And so I'm ethnically Mennonite. Mennonites are an ethno-religious group, you could say. You could be ethnically Mennonite, you could be religiously Mennonite, or you could be both. Uh, kind of like the Jews, right? You could be religiously Jewish, or ethnically Jewish, or both, right? So Mennonites are kind of the same way. Uh, I'm ethnically Mennonite. I wouldn't say that I subscribe to all of the Mennonite doctrine in the church, uh, but... I am nonetheless, by blood, Mennonite. Both my parents are Mennonite. All of my grandparents are Mennonite. And so I grew up with a Mennonite background. And Mennonites, one thing I'll let you know about them right away, they're pretty conservative. Uh, anyone who knows anything or has seen Mennonites, you've probably gotten that impression. Uh, my, my stream of Mennonites was not as conservative as many of them in the States. Actually, I'm from Canada. Any Canadians here? Come on. Thanksgiving, just a couple days ago. You guys get it? Okay. <laughs> Canadian Thanksgiving, very recent. Uh, and I should say, I'm very thankful my, I'm just getting this out there, my youngest brother and his wife had their first baby on Thanksgiving Day in Canada after the doctors had told my sister-in-law she would never get pregnant because she was barren, they said. And so the Lord does amazing things, and we were very thankful for this baby girl, Michaela Zoe Neufeld. Yeah, awesome. Uh, anyways, Mennonites. Uh, yes, in Canada. And so I grew up, and it wasn't as conservative. I didn't grow up wearing all black. I didn't you know, ride around in horse and buggy, that sort of thing. Uh, some Mennonites actually still do that in some places. Uh, but in the church, I, I grew up with a kind of a conservative, you know, people didn't dance around they didn't really raise hands. Some, when it got out of control, because I was more of a, like a liberal Mennonite, uh, some people would, you know, get a hand up. And, and, uh, and that was kind of, that was the approach to worship. And there were choruses, but it was, it was kind of subdued. And I should say before I say anything else, I am very grateful for my Mennonite upbringing. Uh, it, it was the foundation for everything that I experienced in Christ after that. And I'm still, yeah, still very grateful that I hold to that heritage. Uh, in church growing up, however, it was pretty conservative. I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit, didn't hear about the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until I was in middle school when I had my first encounter with a slightly more uh, charismatic church. Okay, I was at a, uh, it was a workshop for musicians. And I was, at the time, I was into a bit of percussion. So I was at this workshop at this, you know, a little bit more charismatic church. And while we were praying in that place, one person was praying out loud. But while that person was praying, other people started agreeing by saying yes or amen. And I'd never heard that before, you know? <laughs> I'm like, what? that person's praying. You got to be quiet, you know? 
one person at a time. And that was my, that was my upbringing. And that was my first experience hearing someone say yes in prayer, which if you know me, you know, some of you don't, that, that's significant for me. I'm kind of known for agreeing in prayer and that's a way that I, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and so that, that was like, that was my first charismatic experience. People were actually praying together out loud. They, were, they felt safe to do that. And then uh, later on, when I was in college, I had my first experience with people praying in tongues. Okay? Now, some of you, if you've been here, you've probably experienced or heard people pray in tongues or at New Philly Church or maybe other churches you've been to. Uh, but I went to a conference in a different city while I was in college and I was actually, I was recruiting for our, for my college and, um, and I went to a workshop for a, a well-known praise leader at that time, a guy named Paul Oakley. I don't know if you've ever heard of Paul Oakley, Jesus, you alone shall be my first love. Yes, you know, you know that, that song. Yeah. I I've sung it in Korean before. It's, yeah. Uh, and in that seminar, uh, what Paul Oakley did, I guess he didn't, he wasn't ready to teach or he felt like it was the right thing to do, but he said, okay, everyone in the room just start praying in tongues right now, everyone. And I'm like, uh, like well, what's going on? You know, I've never, I've never experienced before. I've heard about this from somewhere, but like what, what is happening right now? But I was in the room and I, I didn't know what was going on, but something about it intrigued me and it made me think, man, if the church is doing that, I mean, all these people who are praying in tongues, maybe they're heretics. I don't know. Maybe they're actually not Christians. Maybe they're actually filled with a devil. I don't know, but I feel like something real is happening here. I feel like something real is going on and I've never experienced that. I grew up in the church my whole life and, and I'm wondering how did I miss out on this? And what's this all about? You know, so it piqued my interest. And then it was a couple of years later when I first came to Korea. And in Korea, I was at a different English ministry at that time. I was actually at Onri English Ministry. Anyone here from Onri? Okay, a couple of people. I, when I first came to Korea, I was involved in Onri. And that was like my home base for, for a number of years. And Onri being, you know, a good Korean uh, Presbyterian church with Sebyakido and, and everything else, you're going to have people who pray in tongues and a lot of them. Right. And, and so I started, and, and people who I got to know then were, they, they called themselves spirit filled. And I thought, I think I'm spirit filled. I thought I was, but I'm not experiencing the same, the same things you are. These people, I got to know them and they were, they were normal people, but they were great people. And I really liked them, you know? And they, and they prayed in tongues and, and they seemed to have like an extra, I don't know, like some, some kind of lift in their spirit. Something was different about them. And it gave me a thirst to find out more. And in my life at that time, what God was doing in my life, he was, he was provoking me to pursue whatever was real. If something was real, then I wanted it. If something was from the Lord and it was going to bring me closer to him, then I wanted it. And this, this thirst started to stir up inside of me. This was like, you know, like maybe I guess 10, 11 years ago when I first came out to Korea. And, 
And so it was, it was kind of scary. And I would have conversations with friends about it. Friends who, uh, friends who had experienced things from the Holy spirit. And I would ask them like, how, how does this work? You know, like I read about it in the Bible. I know that speaking in tongues is a gift of the spirit. You know, is that actually for everyone? Is that just for certain people? And the answers that I got kept pointing toward, no, the, the gifts of the spirit and something like speaking in tongues and being filled and baptized with the spirit is something for all believers, anyone who actually wants it. And in my heart, I'm thinking, if this is real, if this is from the Lord, and if this is going to bring me closer to God, I want it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what other people think of me because of it. If it's real and it brings me closer to God, I want it. And I kept pursuing it. And I kept like asking different people. I don't know why it took so many years. I guess there were some hesitancies on my side. Like how, how exactly do I work into that? And, uh, and that, that, that hunger began to stir up more and more to the extent that I, um, I felt like, like it would be the best thing I could ever have that in particular, like praying in tongues. Like if there was a prayer language, like if there was a specific way of praying and it's a gift of the Holy spirit and you know, it's, it's something that will help me be closer to God and communicate to him in a way I couldn't before. Then that would be the greatest thing in the world. Don't you think like, if there's anything that's going to make, that's going to cause me to, to grow closer to, to the uncreated, to the God who is over everything, if anything can help me get there, then man, why would I want anything else? And so I started to hunger and thirst for it more. And it was at a, a, a YWAM DTS. I think I shared the story in a message a while back at New Philly, but it was at a YWAM DTS and I was asked to serve there as a praise leader. And... And there was uh, a seminar that came up about the Holy Spirit. And I asked, uh, I asked the seminar speaker, I actually knew it was going to come up, and I asked the seminar speaker ahead of time if I could sit down for, for lunch with him. He's asking questions like, like, is this for everyone? Can I have this? You know, and, and he was very patient with me and that sort of thing. And at that seminar, it was a whole room of people actually ended up praying for me to, to receive this. And, uh, and I, you know, it's, you know, a lot of it's in my mind. I'm trying to get over that and I'm trying to like, you know, pray in tongues and it's, you know, it wasn't coming. And I thought I ended that time and nothing was, I didn't feel anything happening to me. And I ended that time by, by feeling kind of like, or wondering if like, like, am I a, an inferior Christian? Like what's wrong with me? Like why, why can't I experience these things the way other people experience them? But something inside of me kept pushing me forward and saying, John, you need to pursue the fullness, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. And, and so I kept praying in tongues. I kept, I kept getting, I kept moving on the little bit that I had. And over time, long story short, I ended up, really understanding uh, that the Holy Spirit was in me. He had filled me and he was enabling me to pray in tongues. And I won't go into different experiences I had regarding that. Uh, 
But God kept pushing me forward to the fullness. And tongues is just one thing. But it was a significant thing for me at that time. Later on, I was, I'd gone back and forth uh, a couple times between Korea and Canada. And I ended up actually, for those of you who know Pastor Marcus Corpening, uh, he's a campus pastor at Itaewon. Before I came to New Philly, I was his roommate in seminary. And I was studying in seminary, and that's how I got connected with New Philly in the first place. And I started coming out to prayer meetings at New Philly, to Friday fires. And I started to see, man, there's, there's something in this group of people that I haven't really seen before or experienced before. And this is causing me to thirst for more of God. God, if there's more that I can have from you. If there's more than I can experience in you that I, than I want it. And so I continue to come out to these prayer meetings and, uh, and I kept getting to know people at New Philly. And later that year, later the year that I first came, Pastor Christian asked if I wanted to consider coming on as an interim pastor at New Philadelphia Church. And the day that I came there to talk with him, the New Philly staff was meeting in a classroom at Torch Trinity. And they were having their staff meeting there. And I, they had just finished up staff meeting. It was just five of them at that time. And I walked into the room where they had staff meeting. They had just been praying. I walked into the room. And the presence of God was in the room. It was just, it was thick there. And I felt it. And I was like, this, there's something real happening here that I haven't really experienced this way before. And God kept pushing me forward into going into the fullness, whatever was the fullness, whatever that meant. He kept calling me forward into it. Later on, I find out that the, the vision statement of the church is Isaiah 61. And the new recruits here just had just memorized the vision statements from this past week. I'm actually going to have you do it right now to make sure you still have it memorized. So if you are a new recruit at Hillside, there are some of you here. Uh, we're going to do the vision statement out of Isaiah 61.1 on three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself a hand. The vision of this church, when I first heard it, was another area of the fullness that I hadn't experienced before, but God continued to call me into that to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives. And I thought, I've never actually, you know, experienced that before. What does it mean to bind up the brokenhearted? What does it mean to proclaim freedom for the captives? What does it mean to actually set people free? And I started hearing about this ministry that New Philly has called Healing and Deliverance, H&D, which kind of sounds a little bit, you know, scary. Doesn't be like deliverance, like like what, like exorcism, like like what are you guys talking about? But it, you know, we we call it healing deliverance, and uh, and if you were to sum healing deliverance in one word, I would say that word is freedom. That Jesus wants you to live fully free. There are bondages we have in our lives, things that we're tied down by, sin patterns, things that we've tried to get off our life, 
but we can't, things we struggle with continually, and God actually wants to set us free from those things. And I thought, man, I can be involved in setting people free from this bondage? Man, I want that. I want to get in, I want to to get training in how to do that. I want to be free myself, and I want to move into the fullness. If this is the fullness, if this is what God has for me, then I want it. And at that time, I also, there was uh, a, um, it was a service that we had, a special service for newcomers. We call it Friendship Sunday. And on this particular Friendship Sunday, a few years ago, we had something called Cardboard Testimonies. Now, you've got, you guys have seen Cardboard Testimonies, right? Uh, some of you guys. You've done it with Emmaus before? It's, it can be a really powerful uh, way of expressing what God has done in people's lives. But the first time I saw that was at New Philly Hillside. And people were confessing things through that, those testimonies. Like, like one girl came up and had a piece of cardboard that said, my secret sh- sin and shame, abortion. And she flipped it over and it said something like healed, delivered, and set free from that. And I thought, like, is this for real? And I've shown this video to other people since then. And they're like, are these people making this up or is this actually real? You know, like who would come up in front of a group of people and confess to everyone, I had an abortion in church, you know? And I came to realize there's something very real happening here. And I want it. I want the fullness. If it's in the word of God, then I want it. And that's really brought me to where I am at this point in my journey. My point in sharing all that to you is that every one of you is on a journey. Whether you're saved right now, whether you're not, whether you're living in the fullness of all you know right now, or whether you see something that's beyond you that you're, you're kind of scared or nervous about or not really interested in moving into at this point, every one of us is on a journey And God is calling and inviting all of us, keep pressing in for the fullness. Because you know what the fullness looks like? The fullness, when it comes down to it, is Jesus. I want you all, actually, I didn't even bring my Bible up. Turn in your Bibles if you have it to Romans 8. Romans 8.29. I have it in the NIV here tonight. For those God foreknew, 
he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. For those God foreknew, that's all Christians, that's everyone who's saved, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know, the dream of God's heart and the commitment of God's heart is to make you like Jesus. Everything he's doing in your life, everything he's challenging you toward is so that you'd be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. So you would look like Jesus in terms of how he operated, that you would operate the way Jesus did in his love, that you'd operate the way Jesus did in his power, that everything in this book, all the promises of God for you in this book would be realized in your life. God is stirring up hearts and he's calling you forward to press in to the fullness, not to settle for what you've experienced in the past, but to want more, not to be constrained by what other people think of you, not to be constrained by what is safe for you, but to see it in the word of God and say, if that's from you, God, if that's going to grow me closer to you, if that's going to bring me further into a place of satisfaction for my life, then I want it. So many of us live our lives in a place of dissatisfaction when it comes down to it because we settle for less than what God has for us. It's like, It's like an eagle who has these big, strong wings and was created to fly and was created to soar, but settles with walking along the ground on his feet instead of soaring. That eagle was created to soar, but he settles for walking on the ground on his feet. It's like, it's like a racehorse. Think, think of a racehorse, big, strong, fast racehorse was created to race. What if that racehorse settled for like pony rides for little children? <laughs> like I'm just going to go around in circles with these children on my back when I'm huge and I'm strong and I was made to race. And that's what actually gives it fulfillment and satisfaction in its life. God is calling us into the more he's inviting us. He's saying, I want more for you. Will you come? Will you come and give yourself whatever that looks like, whatever that sounds like, do you want the fullness or will you be satisfied with less? You know, I think of the movie, the matrix, you guys, how many of you guys have seen the movie, the matrix It's kind of older by now, but you have seen it's classic. It's actually my favorite movie of all time. I, yeah, it's, I, uh, there are so many things I love about this movie, but you got this main character, Neo, Mr. Anderson, right? <laughs> Who, uh, he realizes along the way, along this, this life he's living, there's something inside of him that tells him that he was made for more. 
He was made for greater things. He was made for greatness. But he's stuck in this world, this dream world that you find out later, just living a mundane life. And later on, when he realizes what the truth actually is, you know, the fullness actually is for him, it wasn't necessarily an enjoyable experience getting there. It wasn't a painless experience, but it was the right experience and it was good. And he ended up finding out who he actually was and and the extent to which he could do things. You know what the word of God says? This is this crazy, crazy passage out of John 14, John 14, 12. You can turn there. It's good for you to see it. You know how Jesus has been doing these crazy miracles? Like he's walking on water. He's feeding 5,000 people, you know, with a bit of food. He is raising up dead people. He's casting out demons. He's doing all these different things, right? And then he says in John 14, 12, he says, I tell you the truth. Notice, however, that when Jesus is talking, he's, he's always telling the truth. Like it's, it's always the truth, but he wants to emphasize here that he's telling the truth. So he's just going to say it to make sure you get it. When Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth, pay attention because he's actually, he's really emphasizing this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father. What kind of like that? That's an incredible statement that Jesus is doing all these miracles He's doing all these incredible things. And then he says, if you believe in me, you haven't seen anything yet. Because the fullness for you, if you believe in me, looks like doing greater things than I've done. And that's why the greatest, the greatest ministers out there are they themselves moving into the fullness. Do you know that? Like no one's actually arrived it's a process for every single person to say it's in the word of God. If it's here, then it's truth. And if it's truth, then I want it. I want what this says and I'm going to keep pursuing God to find it. God is after your hearts and he wants you to have life and life to the full. He actually sent Jesus to die and rise again so that you would have life and life to the full. And all of us are on a journey in fully discovering that. And this semester is such a key time in your life for that. That's something I just felt the Lord say to me as I was standing here. This semester right now is such a key time in your life for discovering the fullness for you right now. God is calling you to more. And I'm going to ask Rebecca, if you come up and just play for a little bit, we're just going to take a little bit of time to let the Holy spirit speak to us in this. We're not going to have a big altar call, anything like that. That's okay.
Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. We're going to take a little bit of time. What I want you to ask yourself right now is, God, what, what aspect of the fullness are you calling me to pursue you for? Like, what is it that you see in the word of God? What is it that you see in the Bible that doesn't quite, that your life doesn't quite line up with yet? And for everyone in this room, it's something. Maybe it's just fully receiving the peace that God wants to give you. Living in supernatural joy. Growing an anointing to set captives free around you. God is saying to you, don't be content where you are. If you've identified that something is real and you know God wants to give it to you, then he invites you to pursue him for it. He says in John 15, If a man remains in me and my words remain in him, ask whatever you want and it'll be given to you. And he says after that, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. What is it in the Bible that you see that you identify that doesn't, that you know is for you. It's a promise in the word of God, but you haven't received it yet. You haven't laid hold of it yet. Right now, I just invite you to ask the Lord for it, to put yourself in a position, put your heart in a place, align your heart in a place that says, God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it costs. If it's for me, I want it. If it's for me, then I want it because I want to live in the fullness. I want to move forward in life.
And Father, I ask that you would stir in us, God, a longing for the fullness. A longing to be made completely like Jesus. Put that burning inside of us. Whatever it looks like, whatever it means, make me like Jesus. Jesus.